Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. Uh, Rick, we got a, we got a big show. This is this is Robert Mueller week. Maybe. Uh, I, I, I mean, we think, we think. Um, and also, we've got a, we got a big guest we're going to get to in just a few minutes. Uh, we've got Senator Doug Jones, Democrat of Alabama, one of the most interesting people, I think, in the United States Senate. Face, uh, faces, shall we say, an uphill uh, battle for re-election in, uh, in 2020. Fair to say it's uphill, and uh, it's also interesting because he's a former prosecutor, former U.S. attorney. So we're going to talk to him about Mueller as well, um, and we got a lot else to talk about, but not a lot of time. I want to get right to, Rick, what, what are we going to see uh, in the Mueller report? When is it going to be released? Uh, how big is it going to be? How many pages? What What is he going to say about the president? What's he going to say about collusion? What's he going to say about obstruction? Um, and and, in, and how much of it's going to be released to the public, and when? Well, I of course know all of those things because I am okay, living. In, I'm living in the future. I just I just can't tell you. It would it would mess with the space time continuum to reveal what we're actually going to learn from Rob Mueller and and when we are. I can tell you that everyone's kind of convinced that it's really really soon, uh, and that the process goes something like he tells the attorney general, and then the attorney general tells us what he wants to tell us, and then everyone complains about what's not in it and what is in it, and everyone uh, moves on with their lives. It will wrap up at some point. Uh, John, uh, but um, if I if I told you, I have to kill you. I guess. I mean, it it, it is. This is a moment of such anticipation. Yeah. How, how And and the president is certainly acting like somebody who expects very very bad news from the Mueller report. You have uh, Democrats that are you know have been in such incredible anticipation. Mueller, when Mueller comes, man, if this is anything but like. Uh, just a, just an absolute revelatory exposition on what was going on, and then uh, this is going to be a little bit of a little bit of a disappointment to a well, lot of people. Look, he's already done so much that if if it if he had waited in for news cycle purposes and dropped everything at once, all the indictments, you know, just this week, Manafort being being sentenced. I mean, <laughs> think about just, that would have been an amazing thing the to do. The president's all at once. campaign manager is going to jail. You know, we got we we had Flynn, Manafort, Gates. Right. We, do, do, do we do all this stuff at once? Uh, that would be know, a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any one of these, I mean, he's he's you know in in record time actually. So you're not expecting anything more. You think we've well, already seen so what, we've, what we've what we've seen? If there's no further indictments, it's hard to imagine the scenario where you're going to beat the other stuff that actually was filed in court. Uh, maybe he enumerates things that he learned about the president, but are they going to be new? Are they actually fresh revelations? There's so much out there already. Let that me give you a so scenario, explosive. okay? Since since you're since yeah. you're speculating, yes, we, we know that. Department of Justice guidelines are that the president of the United States, a sitting president, cannot be indicted. We right. know that's in dispute, and that could be challenged sure. in court. That's the, that's but, the guideline. But, but, but we know that's the guideline from the Department of Justice. What if Mueller comes out and says, because remember, remember what remember what Barr said, is that the, the report is required to include what he's done in terms of his prosecutions and why he's done it, and his so-called declinations, where he has uh, said that there is, you know, I could have pursued, but I decided not to. So... What if he says, here is the case that the president obstructed justice, but I have declined to prosecute because of those Department of Justice guidelines. But then he gives the whole narrative, and it's a roadmap to, to Congress. That's a big deal. I don't think he I don't think it. it's that would be that would I be a big deal. And that makes me wonder is th- is that the scenario where Nancy Pelosi reconsiders what she said this week? Right. She says impeachment is off the table. Do you Short start thinking that, about it again? What does he do though? That's yeah. going to change the dynamic on yeah. this. Or yeah. have we already moved on. Is Mueller already old news before he's even given us his report? 
We gotta wait. We gotta wait. We, okay, it's the worst. Right. I mean, everyone's canceling vacation plans and, and and trading and rumor and innuendo, and we just got nothing. But we you're telling me it's know. coming this week, right? Isn't that what you just said? I told you that's what everyone thinks. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But by coming, it just means it's coming to the attorney general. We don't. We that's don't, right. It's different. Yeah. So we won't actually see what's there until the attorney general decides how much of it he wants to make public. Right. What if? Let me give you another one. So there, there's been a delay, right? I mean, we, I mean, in terms of we don't know there's been a delay, right. but 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 there's been there was. Ample speculation this was going to happen. Heck, uh, you a couple know, weeks ago, yeah, yeah, a few weeks ago. So, um, what if the reason for the delay that we think is there, but we don't know for sure is there? What if the the reason for that delay was that uh, Barr let it be known to to Robert Mueller, I don't want to take responsibility for what is released. I want you to give me two versions. I want you to give me the full on version, and then I want you to give me a version like you've done in your indictments. That includes redactions, the redactions that would have to be there for national security reasons and the redactions that would have to be there in terms of uh, grand jury secrecy reasons. And in that case, Barr Mi- could turn something around right, right away. Right. And we've got something and we've is got that's, something. Is that what's that's happening? Is that, is that what's going on? I think more likely is that whatever delay is related to wrapping up any loose ends they've got, there's still a bunch of intriguing things that have been hinted at throughout the court filings. We don't know about but some of the But he's not doing new investigations. No, 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 but ending everything, to end it all. I mean, it's, it's the idea of waiting for the sentencing of Manafort, which is going to be the biggest sentence handed down in all likelihood out of all of this, and then whatever other kind of final crossing of, of T's and dotting of I's. Look, the whole – someone very smart on our team made this point, that the entire justice – Department and the whole justice system in America is based on delay and uh, continuing this and moving down and making sure you've got this right. There's no incentive for them to move quickly, so maybe it's just they don't do deadlines the way we do. That's in our right. It's not how we work. We're 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 uh, we're, we're we got to chug along and talk about something regardless. Okay, so the the other big thing that happened uh, this week that we know happened, and there had been a lot of speculation about yeah. this, and it had been delayed. We had a White House briefing this week. I mean, Whoa. like I, I'm talking press secretary at the podium, reporters in the seats. Questions, answers. Did you know what to do, John? Forth. Like, did you remember where you sit? I, I did, uh, but it was it was it was unusual. I, you know, when, when you come into a White House briefing and you haven't had a briefing in forty some days or whatever it was, you have the list of questions that you have is very long. <laughs> I didn't really know where to start. Fortunately, we had a pre. There was a two part briefing, so the first part was with the with the acting budget director, so I can handle that. We right. you know about we, the budget, we, yeah, about the, the budget, we can do that. Um, so I decided to ask about some of the statements the president has made recently in light of the controversy surrounding Congresswoman Omar. Uh, the president said that the Democrats have become the anti-Jewish party. And then our friends at Axios reported that in a closed speech uh, down at Mar-a-Lago uh, that he actually said Democrats hate Jews. Here's my question. The president said that Democrats hate Jewish people, according to a, a recent report. We've also seen him tweet in the last uh, couple of days, the Democrats are the, quote, anti-Jewish party. Does the president really believe Democrats hate Jews? Look, the president's been an unwavering and committed ally to Israel and the Jewish people. And uh, frankly, the remarks that have been made by a number of Democrats and failed to be called out by Democrat leadership is frankly abhorrent and it's sad. And it's something that uh, should be called by name. It shouldn't be put in a watered down resolution. It should be done the way the Republicans did it when Steve King made terrible comments. We called it out by name. We stripped him of his committee memberships. And we'd like to see Democrats follow suit. Wow. 
How about that? Um, you know, she was asked several times. You probably, you probably didn't. You probably didn't hear an answer. No, not really. Uh, to to did the president say that? And he, she, she was asked several other times. But then she did come back, uh, invoking the example of the Republican condemnation of Steve King. But, but I ask, first of all, you mentioned Steve King. The president, correct me if I'm wrong, has not condemned Steve King. I, I he said praising white supremacy as the president publicly come out and said anything I, to I criticize speak on behalf or condemn. of the president on a number of topics and I've talked about that a number of times and I'd refer you back to those comments where I used words like abhorrent uh, and unacceptable well I mean I'll, I'll I'll give you the answer the president is not he is not yes her words not yeah. his words. and he's been asked yeah. and, and, yeah. and yeah, and I, I think that one of the lessons out of last week, it shouldn't be a surprise anymore. The president is going to use any divisions he sees in the Democratic Party to maximize political advantage. That's nothing atypical about that. He is then, though, going to take it to an extreme level, see in a way what he can get away with saying uh, before getting called out or slapped down inside his own party. Uh, it is a wild leap of, uh, of imaginative uh, renderings to think that the Democratic Party hates Jewish people or is the anti-Jewish uh, party in any way, shape, or form. The vast majority of Jewish members of Congress happen to be Democrats, not Republicans. The vast majority of Jews voted Democratic in the last midterm, voted Do you have the number? Against. Do you have the number according to exit polls? A lot to the, a little. What do you got? Uh, 79% of Democrats voted. I mean, 79% of Jewish voters voted Democrat in the 2018. Yeah. And, that, and look, this is- Do you a, know how many, how many uh, uh, Jewish members of Congress there are? 32? Roughly. About that, yeah. yeah, 30. Maybe it might be 33. Yeah. Do you know how many of them are Republican? I'm going with two. Yeah. Two, yeah. Two. Yeah. So, so look, right. it, it, that's not, and that's, that political calculus isn't going to change, but the president sees an opportunity to to mock and rub it in when the other side is uh, is having issues in its own ranks, and the Democrats definitely twisted They're themselves all over issue. the place last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't make it true. That doesn't make it honest. And uh, that doesn't mean uh, that, right, uh, we, that he we, does the same for Republicans. We have Doug Jones is in the virtual green room here at Powerhouse <laughs> Politics. So uh, just one other thing we got to hit, though. Joe Biden, Joe Biden, uh, we've seen reports that he is 95, he's telling people that he is 95% in. Now, I know, Rick, this has been a subject you and I have debated uh, for a long time. We debated it four years ago, will will he or will he not run? I will put forward a proposition that 95% is a very high number. But when you're Joe Biden, you know, as much as you know about running for president, that the 5% that he won't run actually, to me, looms really large. Is it possible he just doesn't run? Even though everybody's telling us he's in, he's like, you know, what do you think? We've seen the movie before. Uh, We're told it's more serious than it's been, all those things. But he continues to fret even publicly about the limitations he'd have. Fundraising-wise, he's an old-fashioned fundraiser. He's going to have to do it by doing the rubber chicken thing, which he likes, but it's hard to do. He's not an online fundraiser. He's not like Beto or Biden or or, Bernie. Bernie, who can just flip a switch and get millions of dollars. That's not the way he does it. And he's worried about his style of politics. I thought this was an interesting moment. You know, he he gave this speech, a rip-roaring speech, all the run Joe run signs at the International Association of Firefighters. Harold Shateberger, a longtime political ally, is ready to endorse his candidacy like now, if he could get it. Uh, but he, he referenced some of the blowback he's gotten recently when he has said nice things about people like, say, Vice President Pence, people that happen to be Republicans. Sometimes it seems like we can't govern ourselves or even talk to one another. You notice I get criticized for saying anything nice about a Republican. Folks, that's not who we are. That's not how we got here. 
I'm not sure Democratic primary voters are looking for somebody that's going to say something nice about Republicans. And, and there's a thing maybe about, America it, would it, like it's, to see you know 100. percent It's it's a thing that I it's it's a it's classic Biden when he says nice things about Republicans he means them he's got lots of friendships and lots of Americans have lots of friendships like that. The question that he poses though is whether that's the right message for a Democratic primary voter in the age of Trump and it's an untested proposition. And when you say nice things about Mike Pence you call him a good and honorable guy and you get killed online for it. Other candidates will come out and attack as they have on this one and said, no, I actually don't think he's a good and honorable person. It exposes the the fact that Biden's politics are of an era that may have ended. And that, I think, concerns him and people around him. So is he in? I agree. 95 percent is is large number for anyone. I think for Joe Biden, you got to grade that down. And we're told now another delay. We're now still weeks away from learning from the vice president. Here's how he responded to this run, Joe, run uh, chance. I appreciate the energy you showed when I got up here. Um, uh, save it a little longer. I may need it in a few weeks. <laughs> no. I mean, we'll see. He had a nice vacation with St. Croix, I understand. Yeah, it's very right. nice this time of year. Um, uh, we'll, we'll see. All right, Rick, we got to take a break because, like I said, we got Doug Jones waiting in our uh, virtual green room. We will be back in just a moment with more powerhouse politics. We are joined now by Senator Jones of the great state of Alabama. Thank you for joining us. Senator, you've got a new book out, uh, Bending Toward Justice. Uh, thank you for joining us again on Powerhouse Politics. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you uh, for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, you you uh, talk about uh, in, in, in in your book about it's not a matter of moving left or right. It's a matter of moving toward the people, repopulating and re-energizing the center, the radical Miller middle. Uh, I, I've got to say, it's a pretty tough place to occupy these days. It seems. Well, it is. Uh, it, you know, w- well, it is and it's not. It is in the sense that the, the, the media, I think, uh, tends to focus a lot uh, on, the, on the voices on the far uh, corners of the, of the right and the left. Uh, but, but once you're up here governing and once you're in the Senate, once you're in the House, I think it's a lot easier to do that uh, because it's, it, it's where people tend to gravitate. And it's the only way to really govern. Uh, if you're going to listen to people and have dialogues, uh, you gotta you gotta be able to work with them and understand what, where they're coming from, and there's an automatic I see, uh, not an automatic, but I think that there is just a movement always toward the center. And you you are a, a Democrat who won a quite improbable victory in in, in the state of Alabama, um, and and now you are you are talking about the need uh, to you know for for the Democratic Party uh, to to appeal to the middle to appeal to the center. I, I am wondering your take. On now that the Democrats have have won control of the House, this this enthusiasm and energy uh, toward investigating the president, investigating every aspect of the president. The president calls it presidential harassment. Nancy Pelosi has has ruled out at least for now the idea of impeachment. But you still, yeah, uh, yeah, you have the, the the Judiciary Committee is one of several committees aggressively preparing uh, uh, to to investigate. Uh, putting out this list, um, you know, Jerry Nadler of 81 individuals and and, uh, and entities uh, that he wants information from. Is, is there a real risk that the Democrats are overdoing, um, particularly in the House, overdoing this move to investigate, investigate, investigate? Well, I think there there always is is that risk. I don't think that that risk is 
has manifested itself uh, yet. But there's always the risk. The, the problem that we had is that for two years, there was absolutely no oversight uh, of the administration. I mean, the House just shirked its responsibilities of, of oversight at all. Now, with all the revelations that are coming out, there is a tendency to go to potentially go further. I've seen that, you know, in my career as a U.S. attorney, um, you know, investigators see this and they, they're going to go where the evidence leads them. But there will be a tendency to kind of overreach a little bit. And I hope that they will resist that um, as we go forward, because the one thing that we don't want to do is we really don't want to get into areas uh, where it appears that it's, it's this is solely directed uh, at the president, as opposed to just legitimate, efficient oversight of everything that's going on. Not to say at all that there are some aspects that we've heard so far from the Cohen testimony and others that certainly need to be investigated. But every time that there is a Washington Post or a New York Times story or an ABC story that comes out um, of, of an allegation or, or, or sources saying this and that, that doesn't necessarily rise to the level of a major investigation. I think they have to be very judicious in how they proceed. As you know, Senator, Speaker Pelosi this week raised some eyebrows with her statement that uh, she she is not for impeachment of the president. Uh, her rationale is not really that he hasn't committed impeachable offenses, but that it, but it's not worth it, uh, which I think is a political calculation as much as a, a practical one about the, the math in the Senate. Where do you stand? Do you do you do you agree that impeachment should be off the table? And do you think as a as a former federal prosecutor yourself, do you think that impeachable offenses may have been committed? Well, I don't want to speculate on whether impeachable offenses may be uh, have been committed because I've really only seen, you know, a report. I haven't seen the evidence. I haven't seen anything like that. And so what, I, you know, impeachment is always out there no matter who the president is. The problem is that we haven't seen that. We haven't seen the Mueller report. We haven't had any uh, – the investigations are still in their early stages over in the House right now. So I think what, what, what the speaker is basically saying is that we got some work to do. Uh, for two years, uh, we've not seen the oversight. We've got a lot of work to do. There's legislation out there that we want to put in front of the American public. Um, you know, H.R. 1, we need to talk about dealing with voting rights. We need to talk about ethics. We need to talk about a number of things. Health care is still a driving force. And, and so that really ought to be, I believe, both the, the watchword for the House Democrats uh, and others. And I think that's kind of where the speaker was going on this. You know, things will take its course if the investigations warrant anything further than just simply uh, investigations, then I'm sure the House will take it up. But that shouldn't be the main agenda right now for House Democrats. And I think that's what Speaker Pelosi was saying. You mentioned Bob Mueller, and we're in this this extraordinary waiting game here in Washington and maybe around the country. Uh, what do you expect to to, to learn from Mueller? And, and how do you expect to learn it? What do you think we will actually see at the end of the day? And what should the American people see of his work product? Well, I think I think the, uh, the American public deserve to see as much of that work, work, uh, work product as uh, it, it, that we feasibly can. I, you know, people forget, we have always talked about the issues dealing with directly with the president and his campaign. But the fact is, uh, the Mueller uh, investigation has gone beyond that. There are two indictments out there, at least two, that involves some very, very serious allegations against Russians with regard to what they did to try to interfere in the 2016 election. I think there's going to be some national security issues and some classified material that the public may not get a, an opportunity to see uh, anytime soon. Short of that, though, I think the public deserves to see as much as we 
uh, can with regard to uh, the other aspects of this investigation. I think the attorney general is committed to that. Uh, unlike some of my colleagues, I believe that he is committed to trying to get as much of that information out. It's a very serious matter. He understands that. Um, I don't quite frankly know uh, fully what to expect with a Mueller investigation. I've said this, and I know this. I think whatever the facts are, uh, this special counsel, uh, who I think is the consummate professional, will have gotten to the bottom of it. And there will be a lot of information. Uh, I don't know if it will be the blockbuster information that I think uh, the president's detractors are looking for. On the other hand, I don't think it's going to be uh, the information that um, that's going to exonerate a lot of people, as the president's supporters uh, uh, would suggest and would hope. My experience has been that there's always something in the middle, maybe more toward one side or the other. But I think it'll take a little bit to get that report to the attorney general and get it in the proper form to then get to uh, where it can be made public. Once it's made public, we'll see how the Congress reacts to it. Ultimately, uh, the members of Congress are going to have to decide if that is enough information that the public has or whether we should do more. So you're a a former prosecutor. When you... Uh, conducted an investigation and decided not to prosecute somebody, what did you do? Most cases, in, in, in the overwhelming number of cases, um, the file is simply closed. And the lawyers for potential subjects or targets may inquire. Sometimes they may ask for a letter in which we basically say the prosecution has been declined. It is very rare when the reasons for a a declination or a prosecution uh, are made public. It's been it was very rare. Sometimes uh, it's even from my experience is somewhat rare when prosecutions are declined that you even announce that. Now, in more high profile public uh, prosecutions, if there is a declination, I think that the people that have been under investigation deserve to have the prosecutor at least say something to say we have closed this file but not give you know for lack of evidence or whatever but very generic terms not producing a report that details all the evidence there's a lot of things about that that i think you have to be very careful about so this if you is a special circumstances though so so if if you uh were, were investigating somebody and you found you know maybe a lot of <clears throat> troubling uh, information through the course of that investigation, but not enough to go forward with the prosecution, what do you do with that troubling information, that, you know, potentially uh, damning information that did not rise to the level of prosecution? I think it really would depend on who the target is. You know, if it's just, you know, John Doe, it stays in the files. And it doesn't go anywhere. You know, if we're talking about a public corruption, a, a potentially uh, impeachable offense of a governor or someone like that, then that's a separate story. You got to remember, though, there are grand jury secrecy rules, and so much of this is covered by grand jury secrecy rules. And even even the document requests are generally grand jury subpoenas that come in and are subject to those uh, secrecy rules. So there's not, you know, your hands are tied a little bit under current law with the Department of Justice. Now, the special counsel office is in a different category, and there is some congressional ability to break through that. And that's what may happen in this case more than anything else. If if the public is not made aware, if the attorney general withholds more than what members of Congress believe 
should be released to the public. I think you'll start seeing some congressional action on both sides of the aisle and in both houses to try to get a more complete and full report. But the you other see thing what, that can be done, obviously, is your own investigation. But but, but you see what, what I'm, I'm getting to with, with Mueller. If Mueller has, you know, uncovered through the course of the, the, the countless hours of interviews he did with all the White House staff, the millions of pages of documents, um, right. and, and he has decided there is not uh, evidence uh, against the president that would warrant a... Um, uh, an indictment. Obviously, the the, uh, the Justice Department guidelines say you can't indict a, a sitting president. But but even you know if, if he if he has compiled all this information, has decided that, that that he just doesn't have uh, the, the 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 sufficient prosecutable evidence against the president on either collusion, conspiracy, or obstruction of justice. Uh, I mean, isn't it quite possible that Mueller simply says? nothing on that and 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 outlines what he did have the evidence on which are the cases that he's gone forward and prosecuted sure Sure, that's very possible here's the other thing that i think folks need to remember because your questions were framed to me in the normal circumstance this is not a normal circumstance okay yeah this special counsel and with the president and the campaign this is not a normal circumstance so and, and, and by and large overwhelmingly i think what i just outlined happens most of the time however what you've got here is that you now have some precedent from the Department of Justice and the FBI to go beyond the, the norm. Think about what happened with Benghazi. Think about what happened with the Hillary Clinton emails. And the, the fact of the matter is that the Department of Justice at that time turned over almost everything that they had gathered. Uh, FBI 302s, which is the summary reports where FBI agents go out, they don't record interviews. They do these summaries, and they put it on, a, on what's a, called a 302 report. So much of that was turned over to Congress at Congress's request. So there is a precedent now in the special counsel-type investigations and um, uh, potentially impeachment-type uh, investigations. There is a, a more recent precedent from the Department of turning these over to, to Congress not just making them public wholesale, but turning them over to Congress and let Congress take it from there. There's another recent precedent, which is uh, Comey's uh, investigation you referred to of the, yep. of the Hillary Clinton emails and his decision not to prosecute and yet disparage her publicly by outlining all of the evidence uh, that, that, that he had uncovered, or much of it publicly. And he was reprimanded by, I think the fellow's name was Rod Rosenstein, um, who is happens to be the person that until, you know, Barr took over, been overseeing the Mueller investigation. Um, so I, I don't think you'll, John. I, I don't think you'll see that happen again. I mean, there were there were former prosecutors uh, and folks on both sides of the aisle because I was very active in the former U.S. attorneys uh, group that were really not happy when uh, the uh, uh, director Comey. Uh, did that, not from a political standpoint, but from a process standpoint and how this goes. I would be very surprised if you see that kind of press conference again. Yeah. Uh, Senator Jones, I, I want to ask you about 2020. You've all but endorsed the non-candidacy of, of uh, Joe Biden, the former vice president, someone you've known for, <laughs> for decades. Uh, we're hearing more right. more teasings from him uh, and maybe maybe decision weeks away. First, have you communicated at all with him recently? When's the last time you spoke with the vice president? Oh, it's been a couple of weeks since I just since I spoke to him. Uh, 
we talk or either his staff and I talk on a fairly regular basis. But I think the last time I talked to Joe was like two weeks ago. Do you think he's in? You know, I, I think that he is uh, very close there. I mean, I, but you never know. I mean, I have to qualify that. You never know. I thought, quite frankly, my friend Sherrod Brown was going to be in, and he surprised me the other day with deciding not to. So you don't know where we're at the end of the day. I know that uh, Joe went on vacation with his family to try to talk this through. This is truly a family decision for everyone, but I think that's especially the case. The Biden family has been so close. Um, so, you know, my guess is that, uh, you know, I would be surprised, but at the same time, it's such a personal decision and it's such a big decision. He knows, he knows the detractors out there. He knows the, he knows the pros, he knows the cons. I just, I've just believed that he, this is something that he feels like he can do, even at his age that he would like to do. And I think he can offer a benefit to the country, uh, should he both run and be elected. Uh, until or unless he gets in, you've seen the field develop with a whole lot of your colleagues in the Senate uh, as part of this, not Sherrod Brown, not uh, not not a candidate who would have pitched himself more to the middle of the country, maybe more in the centrist mold that you had talked about. You've seen a lot of talk about Medicare for all. We've said a lot of talk about the Green New Deal. Are, are you concerned that this party's 2020 nominating process, your party's process, is going to push the party too far to the left. I, I don't think any, anyone's realistically thinking you could win Alabama at the presidential level, but there's a lot of, lot of states out there that did vote for Trump, or Trump is, is pretty popular, and he's already running against socialism on the Democratic side. Well, I, don't, I really don't think so. I, I may be wrong, but I think historically you have to look. There, this is not the first time we've had uh, candidates uh, on, on, uh, you know, that are on the left pushing those ideas, and the ideas are things that have to be discussed. You know, health care is a big issue. And what we've got to talk about, you know, the Republicans have people that will government completely out of health care. And so I think having those voices out there to keep health care in the in the dialogue is incredibly important. I think now for the first time, you're going to see climate that is going to be part of that dialogue. The, the, the Green New Deal is not something that I, I'm going to be able to support at this point, but I do want to have those discussions. I think they're in very important discussions that people are going to uh, have, and gonna, we need to have those. But at the end of the day, I just think that, 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 that the Democratic Party will move back toward where it's traditionally been, and that is, a, a, is a more toward the center than where we are now. And we're going to have a, a, a strong candidate that can take that message because at the end of the day, I think they want somebody that can govern, and that's what I think they're going to be looking at. And governing is, is as important right now for the American people as anything. All right, Senator Jones, I know you have to go. One more question. You're up for re-election, as, as Rick mentioned, uh, in 2020. You, your uh, uh, victory the last time around, let's say, was something of an upset <laughs> and uh, <laughs> under, under some rather extraordinary uh, circumstances to see a Democrat win in Alabama. Um, uh, you were helped, uh, no doubt, um, by the fact that Roy Moore was perhaps uh, the most deeply flawed uh, up there <laughs> candidate we've seen in a long time. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, Roy Moore, Judge Moore, is talking about running again. Um, but 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 tell me, uh, a- absent uh, another Roy Moore candidacy, uh, how do you how do you win re-election in Alabama? Well, I, I win As re-election by doing exactly. I, I, I win by doing exactly what I'm saying. I'm not. Uh, the, people know that I am an independent voice uh, for, for the state. They're not going to agree with me on every issue uh, that we have in the state, not by any any stretch. But what they're seeing is that I've got their back. 
uh, when the president is doing some issues with regard to tariffs that hurt Alabama, I'm speaking up. When he does some things that are going to support folks in Alabama, you know, he was down there. I was with him on Friday. Uh, much needed help down there for tornado victims. Uh, I'm going to be there, you know, working with our military. I'm on the Armed Services Committee now, trying to help the things and work with the president's uh, um, military budget. We're going to be looking very closely at that to try to help our our national security. So I do the things that I said I was going to do, and I go into the the various counties, and I talk to people, and I have the dialogues, and I try to make sure that we talk about workforce development and health care and those things that mean pe- to something to people on, on every time they sit down at a kitchen table. That's how I win re-election, and I talk about the things that we have in common, not that we have in divide us, and I think that the people that are going to be, whoever ultimately I end up running against, it will run a campaign on division. I am absolutely convinced of that. It's been the history uh, in the past. I think that what I'm seeing now from uh, potential opponents is exactly that, one of division, us against them. But, but you, that's, but you not can, my, that's not my style. But you can tell us. You can tell us. It's okay. It's just, just Rick, I, and, and, our, and our millions <laughs> of listeners out here. Uh, were you secretly cheering when you saw Roy Moore talk about running again? Oh, I, I, you know, I, I, what I think is really, it, it's, it's really, truly almost comical to watch because I've always believed that Moore is doing this more to raise money. That's been his M.O. for years. Uh, I don't know if he'll run or not, but I think this is a fundraising tool for him. What's been comical is to watch all the other Republicans who supported him, blocked out, you know, uh, put their put their party over their country uh, two years ago, are now wringing their hands going, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Because there's this anybody but Roy Moore thing out there. Um, so I, I, it's it's interesting for me to watch, but I only watch it. And I don't care. It doesn't matter to me who the opponent is. I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to go forward, and I'll be back here for another term. Senator Doug Jones, Democrat of Alabama, thank you for joining us on, on, uh, here on Powerhouse Politics. Hey, it's my pleasure, guys. Anytime. Thank you. Hey, thanks. Um, so, Rick, Rick uh, we got it. We got it. He thought it was comical. Almost. I, I, I was, almost comical. Almost <laughs> comical. Almost He's hoping for Roy Moore. I mean, you know, that we, we, saw the, we saw the— Can he win? Can he win? Can he win re-election? Sure. I mean, look, every list you're going to see of 2020 vulnerable senators, he's going to be atop of it because of the virtue of the number fact, one. Yeah, number, number one. one. Number yeah. one in, in either party. And that's by virtue of the fact of where the presidential was in Alabama and the, the unusual circumstances surrounding his election to Jeff Sessions' old seat. A um, couple of scenarios. Roy Moore, maybe it's just a fundraising ploy, but he hasn't gone away. They've tried to kill him off in the Republican Party a bunch of times and they cannot get rid of the man. Uh, the, other, the other thing is, look, I, I, do we know where this election is going? to swing voters. Now, Donald Trump will carry Alabama. I'm extremely you think cert- so? I'm extremely certain of that. Even, However, even against ev- Joe Biden, uh, e- even against Joe Biden. Really? Yes. However, however, l- l- think about the world where you have an African American nominee um, for a second time in a short stint of time, and the polarizing candidacy of of Donald Trump. Uh, Alabama has one of the largest shares in the country of African American voters, and traditionally they've been a lot harder to get to the polls in a general election, and particularly because it's Alabama, not exactly exactly a battleground state. But that changes the makeup of the electorate. And in the meantime, Doug Jones keeps doing his job and and goes and, and makes a case that he can be an effective senator. And you hear this from some Republicans in the state as well, that he's just doing that. He's doing the job. He's voting the way he said he would vote uh, and representing the people of Alabama the way that he said he would. Does that make it easy for a Democrat in Alabama, which are almost words that are hard to roll off the tongue together? Of course not. But uh, at least gives 
the possibility of, of something there. He's extremely vulnerable, but um, you know, this is the, no one no one thought when he launched that campaign initially that he'd be anywhere close to where he is now. I thought his comments on Mueller were interesting. He, you know, he he does he is a moderate in many ways. Yeah. Um, but but I think particularly on the investigation question, and he seems to be prepared for a Mueller report that is a long, long, long way from being a bombshell and and is not going to come out and disparage the president if it is decided not to basically indict the president. Yeah. I, 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 that was very interesting. Uh, he is a prosecutor. He's seen this stuff. He knows the players. Anyway, that is all the time we have for Powerhouse Politics. I want to thank our entire Powerhouse Politics team, Trevor uh, Hastings, our, our chief uh, executive uh, producer, uh, Angie Yak, Avery Miller, Annika Marilise, thank you, and we will see you next week.